if there is a gaping hole in our uh, faith and practice today, I, I believe wholeheartedly that gaping hole is in the area of prayer. For many reasons, I, I suppose God's people have simply stopped praying. Uh, and it's not just a new problem. I mean, you can study the Bible and see that it was a problem then as well. And, and uh, I think for some, they honestly believe that, that God is, is too busy or that God doesn't care. There are some that it's a theological issue, to be honest. Uh, they, they, they've misunderstood uh, some, some theology. They, they, they understand that God has ordained all thing and, and things, and, 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 uh, but it kind of stops there for them. And, and if God's ordained all things, then what's the point of prayer? Well, don't do it. Well, you've got to study the whole context of Scripture. Some believe that God has equipped them to handle all that throws, uh, life throws their way. They just kind of think, well, well God, God made me, made me in his image, therefore I should be able to handle all things. Uh, and, and so they don't pray, and, and others, I, I suppose, are just too busy. And, and listen to me this morning, I don't know which of those camps you, you fall in, uh, but my prayer for you is that as we study prayer over the next several weeks, um, that you'll realize the truth of God's word on this subject uh, and on this great opportunity that we have to enter into uh, actual, effectual conversation with the creator of all that we see and don't see uh, through this beautiful, magnificent gift called prayer. And uh, so uh, let's let's do this together this morning. Let's practice what we're about to preach. Uh, might we pray together this morning? Uh, Father God, we, we come before you because you say that we can. And we come before you um, asking right now for wisdom. Uh, that you would give it generously unto us this morning, uh, that you would teach us from the inside out, that your word would be more than enough for us. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would change us, uh, that, that what we study today would, um, would really genuinely affect who we are and how we have been living, and that when we, when we walk out of this place, we walk out uh, as, as people that have been transformed and molded in the image of Jesus. Uh, as people that uh, that are, are going to go out and carry a banner that says Christ is Lord, as a people that are going to go out um, as as known as sons and daughters, understanding the privilege and the power uh, of this great thing called prayer. Jesus, we love you. We ask these things through your power, by your Spirit. Father, bless us as we attempt to bless you through the study of your word, in your name we pray, amen, amen. <clears throat> so uh, we're going to study uh, this thing called prayer, we're going to answer some questions, like I said, over the next several weeks, because I think there's a lot of questions people have about prayer, to be honest, and, and uh, a great starting point, I think, uh, is, is just this, why? Why should we pray, right? Why, why, why should I pray? Why pray? Why, why, why does God want me to pray? What does the Bible say about why I should pray? And that's what we're going to look at this morning. And, and really kind of pared it down for you. I had a whole lot of stuff and, and I tried to kind of just sort through it. We're going to just look at three really, really uh, powerful reasons why uh, God wants us to pray or why we should pray. And here's the first this morning. I want you to understand that we should pray because prayer shows our dependence on and our trust in God. Prayer shows our dependence on 
and our trust in God. All right. So so prayer in its most simple form is is just talking to God. That's what prayer is. That's how we define it. It's having a conversation with God. Now, if I were to ask, um, what are we supposed to talk about with God during this conversation? I'd get a lot of different answers, but most of them would fall into one camp and into one area. And that area would would be put simply put uh, needs. That's a category when, when most people say, you know, hey, what are you supposed to talk to God about? Most people are going to say, well, you talk to God about, about what you need. Primarily, that's what the majority of people talk to God about. They call out to God in prayer when they need something. But that's not actually the point of prayer. I know that's shocking a little bit, but, but I want you to understand Telling God what you need is really not the point of prayer. And I want to show you something this morning. Let's look at at the screens together. Matthew 6, 7 through 8. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is going to teach on prayer. And he says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they're going to be heard because of their many words. And then get this. He says, do not be like them. Huge. Underline this. Highlight it. Uh, You guys love me for my tattoo comments. Go get the tattoo. Here we go. Uh, For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Which means the point of prayer is, is, is not telling God uh, what I need. Because according to that scripture, God already knows it. you got to see, that's huge. That, that means that God didn't create prayer so that he could find out what we need. There's got to be another purpose behind it. God didn't say, hey, I want you to talk to me so I can figure out what you need. Because I'm kind of like Santa Claus and I don't really know until you sit on my lap. See, God's not limited in that way. So, so the point of prayer isn't to tell God what we need, though we certainly do that in prayer. He, he tells us to tell him what we need, but that's not the point. So why would an all-sovereign, all-powerful God say to us, I want you to talk to me, and I want you to tell me what you need. Oh, but by the way, I already know it. So why would he want us to do that? And the answer is found in, in the words dependence and trust. You see, that's what God requires of his people. God wants us to come to him understanding that he is the provider of everything that is good and right and holy and just. That that, that he's the giver of every good and perfect gift. That he is the source of life. That he is the provider. That he is the sustainer. See, the point of prayer, the reason God says, hey, come tell me what you need, is because he wants us to develop a healthy habit of reliance upon him. That's the point of prayer. It's reliance on God. It's trust in God. It's coming to an end of yourself and saying, God, I need you. I can't do it. It's a big deal. God didn't create prayer so that he could find out what we need. He already knows that. God wants us to pray and to ask him because when we do, we recognize that he is the source of every blessing, the source of everything that's good and right, that he is all powerful and that we need him. That we are completely dependent upon Him. See, prayer is a sacred act of trust by the created unto the Creator. That's what it is. Prayer is is the sacred establishment of God by which His created beings come unto Him and say, I trust you. With, 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 with all of me, I trust all of you. We, 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 we cry out to him. You're my creator. You are my sustainer. You are my provider. That's what prayer is about. We don't pray so that God will know what we need. He already knows that. We come humbly before God asking what we need in prayer because we trust God. We're depending on him. 
to powerfully provide. That's what prayer is. Secondly, why does God want us to pray? God wants us to pray because prayer brings us into a deeper relationship with Him. Prayer brings us into a deeper relationship with God. The second reason that God wants us to pray is because He wants us to love Him. I know that sounds silly, but it, but it's the truth. Listen, yes, God wants you to trust Him. He wants you to come to Him in prayer, recognizing that He's all-powerful provider. He wants you to rely on Him, right? That, that, that's kind of the point. He, he says, I want to talk to you. I want you to tell me what you need, although I already know it. But I want to do this because I want you to rely on me for all things. And that's kind of the first reason that we're called to pray. But the second reason we're called to pray is because God wants us to love Him. Because God longs for a deeper relationship with us. He wants us to understand what it means to be a child of God. God wants us to pray because he wants us to love him. And prayer brings us into that deeper relationship, that, that, that more intimate fellowship with God. And I want to show you this truth by, by looking at a passage with you this morning that is usually misunderstood and completely misinterpreted, okay? You're like, oh, that's awesome. Now, if you have misunderstood this passage and misinterpreted this passage, I, I say to you in love, that's okay. We're going to correct it this morning, okay? Let's do this together. Uh, Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, if you want to turn there, it's not going to be on the screens. We're going to read it actually in the Bible, in our hands or on our phones or tablets or, or whatever device you're using today. Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 1. Uh, my Bible... I'm reading out of the NIV, labels it the parable of the persistent widow. This is what it says, Luke 18, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Three uh, primary characters in the study, in the parable, right? There's the judge. This is what it says of him. It says he neither fears God or cares about men. It's a word for that kind of person. Ruthless. He's ruthless, right? Doesn't, doesn't care about God, doesn't care about men, he's ruthless. The second party, his second character is the widow. She keeps coming to this ruthless judge, it says. So, so our, our question then is why? We, we know a little bit about her, right? We, we know well, her husband has died, clearly. And so from that, we're going to draw some implications. So if her husband is dead and, and she keeps going to the judge, we're, we're going to understand, well, that means she probably couldn't hire any kind of uh, legal uh, attorney or anything like that. That means she probably doesn't have the money, that she's probably broke. It says she's got an adversary. So somebody is probably coming after her. This was a pretty common practice that when the man died, that somebody would come to collect on his debts. Often they would take away a house. They could take away your children legally. And, and, and you see this woman, so, so she, she has nothing. 
So she's going to keep coming to the judge over and over and over. So her condition, you might say she was penniless, she was powerless, and she has a great problem. That's where she is. She's penniless, she's powerless, and she has a great problem. So what does she do? She becomes a pest. Right? And guess what? It pays off. That's a lot of P's right there. That's alliteration, just in case you're wondering. Penniless, powerless, has a problem. She becomes a pest and it pays off. And, and the crooked judge finally relents and, and, uh, and he grants her justice. Now, now, here's where we miss the point. We read verse 1 and it says, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should pray and not give up. And we stop thinking right there and we start interpreting the whole passage. So, so we read that, we, we, stop, we don't read down to verse 7 to get the point. We just read verse 1 and we stop thinking, we start interpreting the passage. And we say, well, okay, that means that this story must be allegory. And you know, allegory is basically where everybody in the story represents someone or something else. And it has great truth. And that's the point of allegory. So if we interpret it as allegory based on verse 1, this is what we walk away with. We are the widow. That's who we are. We're, we're the widow. We, 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 that's, that's who we are in the, in the story, right? And the adversary, well, I mean, that could be anybody. That could be Satan, the great adversary. It could just be somebody you don't like, uh, that you feel like is doing you wrong. That could be your adversary. And then that makes God, of course, would be the, the judge, according to that, that way of thinking. And, and the problem, guys, that's how most people have interpreted this passage. And they think, therefore... I've got to come before God groveling over and over, begging over and over, trying to get God to change his mind, which scripture says he doesn't. So, uh, so, so how, do I, how do I incorporate this, this teaching of Jesus? What would I do? Now, now, now listen, that would mean that God is uninterested, that God is too busy to be bothered by you. It would mean that, 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 that though he's too, uh, too, too busy to be bothered, though he's uninterested, but if, if you really pester and, and annoy God enough, he'll eventually cave in to your request. Now, let me ask you, does that, does that sound like God? Does that sound like anything that you know of God? Absolutely not, because the, the, the God I study in Scripture says that he has infinite uh, amount of ability and infinite uh, 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 amount of love for me, that his love is deeper and higher and wider than I could ever imagine, that nothing can separate me from his love. That's what Scripture tells me, right? And so those things don't jive, and if they don't jive, then this can't be allegory, which means something. This is what it means. It means that God is not the unjust judge. And it means that you are not the widow. And that's huge. Because I know so many people that have misinterpreted this passage. And they honestly believe that that's how it was laid out. That is not what the passage is about. If you want to understand the passage, you've got to read on to verse 7 and 8. Let's look at those together. Verse 7 and 8, it says, And will not... And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? Look at verse 8. I tell you, he will see that they get justice and what? Quickly. Quickly. This is not an allegory. This is a study in contrast. Jesus is using this parable as a contrast. He's saying, you see, there's, there's this judge who, who is... Uh, ungodly, who doesn't care about God and doesn't care about men. He's ruthless. And this lady, she kept coming to him and coming to him and coming to him. But God is not that way. 
It's a story in contrast, which means that God is not the judge and you are not the widow. And I want you to understand this. Let's just look at that for a second, right? Think think about this with me. She was penniless. She was powerless. She was without standing or, or status before the judge. That's who she was. She, she really had no right to be there. She had no right to be before the judge, but she was just going to him out of an act of desperation. She was just going to keep coming and keep coming and pester him because she, she, was, she was broke. She had no other place to turn, okay? That's who she was. But let's look at for a moment at who you are. This is what Scripture says about you if you're in Christ. It says that you're chosen. <laughs> that God chose you. You didn't choose Him. God chose you while you were still sinners. Christ died for you. Not that you loved God, but that God loved you and gave Jesus as an atoning sacrifice for your sins. God chose you. So, so you start right there. You're important to Him. All right. Two, you're a child of God. That's huge. That means you have an all-access pass. I don't care how busy you are. I don't care what, what you do for a living. I, you know, we've got some people in this room that are extremely busy. That go, They spend their weeks in meetings, but you know, what when their phone goes off if it's their child it doesn't matter how big the meeting is they says excuse me i've got to take this they step out of the room why because it's your child your child has an all access pass direct line to your to your phone that's the way that it should be and that's the way that it is with god you are his child you are ne- he, he's never too busy for you There's nothing going on that that he can't say, hey, hey, come here. Because you know what? He can still handle putting the sun and the moon and stars in place and having you crawl up in his lap at the same time. He's really big. You're his child. And that means that you always have standing before him. You always have standing before him. That's why we pray. God wants you to pray because he loves you. He loves to hear from you because you're his child. And as such, he finds great pleasure in meeting and exceeding your needs. There is never a time that you are without direct access. He is never too busy for you. He wants to hear what's on your heart and he longs to listen and he loves to give. And he gives gracious, wonderful, abundant gifts as expressions of his great love for us. That's what prayer is about. That's why we should pray. It helps us experience that. It brings us into a deeper relationship with God as our Father. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an example. And some people, you know, they, some of you here don't believe in the power of prayer. You don't believe that God cares about even the little things. You don't believe that you can share your heart. Some of you think that you should only pray to God about the biggest, most, uh, you know, terrible stuff in the world. Uh, I want to give you an example that my God is a God that cares about even the littlest things that matter to me. So so uh, we spent the weekend getting ready for my youngest son's birthday party. And uh, uh, Byron and Ed were out and, and, and replacing rotten wood uh, on the parsonage. And I'm, I'm mowing the yard while they're doing that and, and cleaning. The, you know, we're, we're scrub, scrubbing floors and worked in the pool and trying to get the pool ready that kids can swim and all that that entails. And, and we're getting everything ready. And my wife and all the decorations and all that. We're doing all that. And it's about 4.30 at this point, And it is, it is hot. And I'm thinking, there's going to be a whole lot of people in my backyard, Lord, and I have a little nine-foot umbrella. And I don't know how this is going to go. And so I'm walking back from the church. I had to come grab something. And just a little, Lord, 
man, it'd be awesome if uh, if we just have a little bit of cloud cover and maybe just a little gentle breeze that we could really enjoy this birthday and celebrate this birthday for Caleb. Because I lie to you not. From 5 o'clock on, man, it was awesome. <laughs> there was no sun beating down on our head. There was a nice little gentle breeze. We sat in the backyard and just enjoyed the fellowship. Now, some of you say, well, that was just a coincidence. You can call it whatever you want to. I believe my dad heard a, a very simple prayer uh, that I wanted my son to really enjoy his birthday. And, and, and now it, it may have been sunny at your house, but I'm saying at my house, it was overcast with a gentle breeze. So maybe you should pray. Ah, number three. Number three, third reason you should pray. <clears throat> God wants you to pray because prayer allows us to be involved in advancing the kingdom of God. Prayer allows us to be involved in advancing the kingdom of God. You've got to think about the power of that statement for a moment. Let's turn back to Matthew together. It was on the screen earlier. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6. Uh, Jesus is teaching on prayer. And I just want you to hear what he says here. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. Jesus is speaking. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Look at verse 10 a little more closely. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when Jesus teaches us how to pray, one of the great subjects evidently uh, of our prayers uh, and, and thus reasons uh, to pray is, is for the advancement of the kingdom of God, according to Christ. He says, and when you pray, pray like this, Lord, your kingdom come. It says, pray about the coming of God's kingdom. And we don't just find that in, in the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 9, uh, let's look at that together. Matthew chapter 9, uh, starting in verse 35. Um, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Get this. He tells them to pray. Verse 38. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, advance the kingdom. Pray for workers. So that's part of how you should pray. When you pray, God works. Pray for advancement of the kingdom. Pray that God would send people out into these harvest fields. We see the same thing in John chapter 17 as, as Jesus is praying. Uh, Jesus is, is, is praying in the garden. He's praying for himself. He's praying for us. John 17, uh, verse 1, he says, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son. And in verse 11, he says, uh, Holy Father, protect them. Now he's praying for us by the power of your name. Verse 17, he says, sanctify them uh, by the truth of, of your word. And he continues on. What, why is Jesus praying all these things? Because all of these things advance the kingdom of God. 
When we look like Jesus and we act like Jesus, the kingdom of God is advanced amongst us. And, and so one of the great reasons that we should pray according to God. And we'll get into this more next week when we answer the question, does prayer work? I'll just give you a little uh, preview. Yes, it does. Uh, just come back for next week. We'll talk about how that works. But uh, one of the great reasons that we pray is because prayer works. When, when we pray, God allows us to be a part of his advancing kingdom. God tells us to do it. He honors those prayers. And he does things that we can never do. Eternity is shaken by the prayers of the saints. It's a big deal. That's a big deal. So why should I pray? Because prayer allows us to be involved in the advancing of of the kingdom. So let me give you some application coming out of this week. And uh, I, I want to challenge you to be back next week. We're going to talk about some things next week that might mess you up a little bit. And that's good. Uh, especially if you're, you're struggling to, uh, to, to think, well, how does this, how, why does God answer? How does prayer work? We're going to get into some of those things. Uh, and, uh, and we'll cover that next week. But this week, this is what you need to start with. Number one, I think because of what we study you, 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 you're going to be called to stop. Uh, stop relying on yourself. You've got to start there. I, I meet far too many Christians that are, that are weary and tired. And they are just undone. And they feel like it is, is never ending and is never ceasing. And they can't catch their breath. And now part of that's because we're overcommitted just in general as a society. But part of that is because I know far too many Christians that are trying to do this Christian thing all on their own. And if you're trying to handle all the problems in this world, guys, even the, the, the little stuff, it's not meant for you. God knows what you need, and he tells you to ask him for it. He, tell, he, he already knows it, but he still wants you to talk to him about why. Because he wants you to learn to rely on him. Because he is provider. That's who he is. So there's two ways to do it. Waste your time and energy and effort running after it, trying to provide it for yourself. Be worn out and weary and exhausted. Or ask Him for it. So we're going to start here. Stop relying on yourself. You are not the source of life. You are not the source of blessing. You are not the source of happiness. You are not the source of all money. You are not the source of retirement. You are not the source. So stop relying on yourself as such. Part one. Now once you stop that, you got to start something. You've got to start relying on God. You've got to start trusting God. Get this, with everything. Now, I'm going to mess your theology up, okay? Here we go. Relying on God for everything is not just a silent reliance. Because according to God's word, there are things that we don't have because we're not asking. All right? We're just going to be biblical, right? We said we studied the Bible here. We're going to study it cover to cover. We're going to teach what it says. This is what it says. This is God. God's telling us we don't have because we don't ask. Now, we know that he's good and we know that we have many things that we don't deserve that we didn't ask for. But God in his word clearly says there are some things I want to bless you with, but you never ask me for. You say, how does that work out if, 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 if God is sovereign in charge of all things? Well, it works out because he's sovereign in charge of all things and he sets the rules. 
And that sovereign, all-powerful God says, there's stuff that I have for you, but you never asked me for. So we're going to start relying on God for everything, which means we have to talk to him about everything. This is not a silent reliance. This is an active reliance. This is a conversational reliance. This is a, I'm going to stop chasing it, and God, I'm going to start asking you for it. Okay? Now, gentlemen, that doesn't mean you don't get to go to work tomorrow. Right? I'm here this morning. You better be there tomorrow morning. It's part of the deal. But it just means that you're going to go there because that's your responsibility, but you're going to trust God to handle those details. You're going to talk to God about those meetings. You're going to talk to God about what has to be accomplished. You're going to ask Him to move and work and do things that you can't do. You're going to ask Him to allow you to be a witness for Him. Number three. Remember your status to God. As you start relying on God, there's some things that are going to pop in your head and you're going to think, that's just stupid. I can't ask God for that. God, because remember, we've all bought into that. God's too big. God's, God's too busy for that. God's too busy for me to stop for a second and ask, hey, hey, could we have a little awesome sweet weather for a great party? God's too big. No, he's not. God, God's, God's big, but he, he, it's exactly the opposite. God's too big for you not to ask. It's not he, he's too big and too busy for you to ask. God is, is, is so big that you can ask. And you're his child. So act like it. My kids ask me for the craziest things, you know. And, and sometimes I have to tell them, not right now, honey. We can't have a milkshake. It's 6 a.m., right? Sometimes. Dad, I woke up in the middle of the night. Can I go swimming? Somebody told me that sometimes when it's late night, you can do it without a swimsuit. No. When you get your own pool, go do that. Remember your status with God. You're a child. Act like it. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to ask. I mean, the worst thing that God can say is no, not right now. Right? He could just say no, not right now. He could say later. But he could say it. All right. All right, since you asked, I love you. Here you go. Not that you deserve it, just that I'm good. I love you. Number four. Here, here's a big 